This is Simon's Seeds, where Christ and truth reigns, and where soldiers for God get trained up and armed up on God's holy word. Welcome back to Simon's Seeds. This is the second episode. Hopefully you enjoyed the first one. Um, The second one I'm going to continue on bits of information that you might not have heard before in the Bible or uh, actually anywhere else, to be honest. Uh, Give me a second. I'm kind of distracted here. All right. Well, like I said, welcome back. Uh, The last time we talked about uh, scriptures that we thought said one thing, but actually said something entirely different. And uh, me and my friend Chuck, Chucky Pratt, actually talked about, it was Isaiah 11, about the scripture where, at least my whole life I've always heard, you know, the lion will lay down with the lamb or vice versa, and it was actually the wolf. So that's important because if you're going to be talking to people about the Bible, which you should be, because in 1 Peter 3.15, uh, the Apostle Peter admonishes, quote, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. If you want to try to lead people to Christ, you have to be able to give a good defense for why you even believe in Christ. If somebody asks you, why do you believe in the Bible? You know, that was written many thousands of years ago. Is it even reliable? Oh, I heard it was written by man. So it had to have changed throughout time. Um, you have to be ready, like First uh, Peter 3.15 states, is to give or ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. If you can't do that, you're not going to be an effective witness for the Lord. So, like I said the last uh, episode, you are, quite frankly, you're a soldier of God. Um, and depending on how effective you are going to be in his army, it depends on how much you train. Training comes from your, your, your basic instructions before leaving earth which is an acronym for the Bible. You have to be in God's Word. But the problem with that is, if you're speaking to somebody who is not born again, who's not received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in their heart, and believe that three days later, after he was crucified, he was resurrected, and that he is the Son of God, and that he is of the Immaculate Conception, virgin birth, then if they don't know this or understand this or believe this, then they're not going to believe anything else you've got to say about the Bible. And it's unfortunate that most Christians give the same answers that they've heard passed along and passed along and passed along. Like, like for example, what one thing I hear Christians say all the time when somebody asks them, well, you know, isn't the Bible um, old and outdated? It was written by man, so... Um, hasn't it changed? 
you know, and they don't really have a good defense for that. They don't even have a, a real good answer for that other than, well, you know, it's God's holy scripture and it's inspired by God. And so all those excuses, that person asking that question has already heard all those same answers because most Christians have the same weak account um, for that hope that is in them. Um, I'm not doubting the Christian's faith, but what I am doubting is their training in the Word of God um, and their knowledge of the Scriptures. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read some uh, excerpts from a book. Um, I didn't read the whole book. There's like over 735 pages in this book. I mean, it's a monster, but it's it's awesome. It has a plethora of uh, knowledge in it in regards to the accuracy of the Bible and 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 uh, most things biblical. It's written by Josh McDowell. It's called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Um, Evidence 1 and 2, fully updated in one volume to answer questions challenging Christians in the 21st century. And this book is beyond awesome. Um, So I'm going to read a little bit right here, and then uh, we'll move along from there. A lawyer once asked Jesus, quote, Sir, which is the most important commandment? In the law of Moses, Jesus replied, quote, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It's in Matthew uh, 22, 37, and 38. God created us with the ability to think, to acquire knowledge, and to discern truth. God wants us to use our minds. And you have to realize when you're reading the Bible, you're going to get, like me and Chuck talked about in the last um, episode, episode one of Simon Seeds, was you're going to get little nuggets, little golden nuggets like they call it, because the more you sift through God's word, the more uh, he will uh, reveal to you. The truth of scripture is found in, basically in what it reveals, not in everything it records, you know. Um, but the only way you'll know that is if you're in God's word. So let me uh, let me get back to to um, let's just say that the the accuracy say of the Bible. Hold on. So let me you go right over here. Is the New Testament historically reliable? Now I'm not going to get into uh, archaeology too much, um, if at all, with this segment. I do know that a couple weeks ago, maybe a week and a half to two weeks ago. They dug up um, King David's city, which is interesting because for the longest time, if not you know at least a thousand years or so, or even more, um, it was always disputed whether or not King David was actually an, uh, a real person. It's just sort of like a Pontius Pilate, but through archaeology, they've discovered um, through finding um, whether it be uh, tablets with these individuals' names on them or, or, or other people writing about them um, on other uh, uh, tablets, uh, they found through archaeology that these individuals were historical figures and they were real. So just recently, uh, King David's city was, was found. You know, And I, I know not too long ago, I believe it was last year in 2017, or it may be the end of 16, where they found um, something in regards to Goliath maybe a grave or something like that. But um, archaeology is continuously uh, bringing forth more and more evidence 
um, that uh, proves the, the, the Bible to be accurate. So far, it's never been disproven. Um, okay, let's see. So, chapter 3 in the book is is the New Testament historically reliable? And I'm not going to read this whole chapter. As a matter of fact, if you ever uh, get the book, like I suggested, you should. Um, he kind of, I won't say he goes overboard on the amount of information that he has, but he has so much information um, on each topic that it's, it's almost absurd to even try to argue with the information uh, contained herein. Um, it basically it says what he's doing is establishing here is a historical reliability of the scriptures, not the inspiration. The historical reliability of the scripture should be tested by the same criteria by which all historical documents are tested. And I guess what he's talking about is in at its basic level, the Bible is literature. Um, the Bible is, by the way, if you didn't know this already. Um, it's not one book. It's actually 66 books um, divided up by 44 different authors, of which most of these individuals never even met each other, but yet their stories are still um, incredibly uh, linked and accurate um, together. So well, that's just one little thing there. So okay, I'm going to read a little bit here. Um, the number of manuscripts. Now, manuscripts are basically uh, copies of copies of copies of copies. And they were usually on some form of animal skin or uh, papyrus or even uh, uh, some sort of a, a tablet. Of course, the animal skins lasted the longest. Um, but manuscripts are copies of copies of copies of copies. And why that is important is because you have actual copies of the Word of God. Um, now, how you determine the, um, the accuracy of the literature is basically through the amount of manuscripts that you have. So, for instance, if you have two manuscripts, one manuscript was written 80 years after an incident, and then you have another one that was written 100 years after, you can put those two manuscripts together, and you can read them and see if there are any... Uh, major differences in those manuscripts. Um, so the more manuscripts you have, the more you can uh, check and reference older manuscripts with the newer manuscripts to determine how accurate it is. <clears throat> so if you have, say, uh, like Homer's Iliad, depending on how many manuscripts, it will also determine how accurate that literature is. Okay. Now remember, it's not um, a matter of, uh, what do you say, uh, inspiration. It's a matter of um, historical reliability. So, here we go. On the basis of manuscript tradition alone, the works that made up the Christian's New Testament were the most frequently copied and widely circulated books of antiquity. As a result... The fidelity of the New Testament text rests on the multitude of manuscript evidence. Counting Greek uh, copies alone, the New Testament is preserved in some 5,656 partial and complete manuscripts, portions that were copied by hand from the 2nd uh, through the 15th centuries. 
There are now more than 5,686 known Greek manuscripts of the New Testament. Add over 10,000 Latin Vulgate and at least 9,300 other early versions. And we have close to, if not more than 25,000 manuscript copies of portions of the New Testament in existence today. No other document of antiquity even begins to approach such numbers of attestation. In comparison, Homer's Iliad is second with only 643 manuscripts that still survive. Now think about that, 643 manuscripts, and it is literally considered the second most accurate piece of literature known to man. That's absolutely ridiculous, but yet people question the validity of the Bible all the time, even though it has over 25,000. So if we are to continue to judge the Bible the same way we judge um, the accuracy of any other piece of literature, the Bible is the most accurate piece of literature in the history of the world. With only 643 manuscripts that still survive, the first complete preserved text of Homer dates from the 13th century. The following is a breakdown of the number of surviving manuscripts for the New Testament. Now, this is the uh, Greek manuscripts, the uh, Uncials, that's spelled U-N-C-I-A-L-S, 307. The Minuscules, well, <laughs> that's hard to pronounce, M-I-N-U-S-C-U-L-E-S, 2,860 manuscripts. Lectionaries, 2,410. The Papyri, Papyrus, 109. This is basically the subtotal of the 5,686 I was uh, mentioning earlier. Uh, manuscripts in other languages, the, the Latin Vulgate, 10,000 plus. Ethiopic, 2,000 plus. Slavic, 4,101 manuscripts. Aram Aramanian, 2,587. Syriac, Pasheta which is P-A-S-H-E-T-T-A, -T -T 350 plus, Bohariac, 100, Arabic, 75, Old Latin, 50, Anglo-Saxon, 7, Gothic, 6, Sogdane, 3, Old Syriac, 2, Persian, 2, Frankish, 1, which is a subtotal of 19,284. So basically, the total manuscripts is actually, it's just short of the 25,000, but it's 24,970. So the importance of the sheer number of manuscript copies cannot be overstated, as with other documents of ancient literature. There are no known extent currently existing. Uh, original manuscripts of the Bible. Fortunately, however, the abundance of manuscript copies makes it possible to reconstruct the original with virtually complete accuracy. John Warwick Montgomery says that, quote, no skeptical of resilient text of the New Testament books is to allow all of classical antiquity to slip into obscurity, for no documents of the ancient period are as well attested bibliographically as the New Testament. That's pretty powerful. <laughs> so there's uh, 
no documents of the ancient period that are as well attested bibliography as, say, the New Testament. Now, today I'm only going to be talking about the um, New Testament, not the Old Testament. Uh, Sir Frederick G. Kenyon, who was the uh, director and principal librarian of the British Museum, and second to none in authority for issuing uh, statements about manuscripts, states that, besides number of manuscripts of the New Testament differ from those of the classical authors, in no other case is the interval of time between the composition of the book and the date of the earliest extant manuscripts so short as in that of the New Testament. The books of the New Testament were written in the latter part of the first century. The earliest extant manuscripts, uh, trifling scraps ex accepted also, uh, are of the fourth century say, from 250 to 300 years later. This may sound a considerable uh, interval, but it is nothing to that which parts most of the great classical author, uh, authors from their earliest manuscripts. We believe that we have, in all essentials, an accurate text of the seven extant plays of Sophocles, Yet the earliest substantial manuscripts upon which it is based was written more than 1,400 years after the poet's death. Now, I'm, just a, a quick side note to what I just read. Which, it says, which is based, which is based was written more than 1,400 years after the poet's death. And we find that a lot in literature, like, for instance, um, Caesar's books. Um, they started writing about um, Caesar 1,500 years after his death. Now think about that. He died, and then 1,500 years later, they started writing about him. But yet, I guarantee you, you've never heard anybody arguing the validity of whether or not uh, that emperor existed. We just take it for, 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 for face value. Hey, Caesar Augustus, it's like, and, and you just believe it. Well, why would you believe that? They wrote about him 1,500 years after he died. Don't you think that's a lot of room for mistakes and for people to make things up about this guy? But yet, no one questions the validity or the accuracy of uh, Caesar's books. It's, it's pretty amazing. Well, the interval then between the dates of original composition and the earliest uh, extant evidence becomes so small as to, in fact, negligible. And, like, for instance, the, the, uh, I believe it's the first manuscripts for the New Testament might be around 80 years um, after the events. 80 years. So you have, say, 80 years compared to 1,400 years or even... 1,500 years compared to other uh, literature's manuscripts. Uh, and the last foundation for any doubt that the scriptures have come down to us substantially as they were written has now been removed. Both authenticity and the general integrity of the books of the New Testament may be regarded as finally established. Um, for most of the biblical text, a single reading has been transmitted. Elimination of uh, scribal errors and international 
uh, excuse me, intentional uh, changes leaves only a small percentage of the text about which any questions occur. So any real questions about the the uh, manuscripts in the text is like uh, a little scribble here, or maybe um, kind of like not putting a comma where it belongs, but n but not uh, anything as far as like say the context. So that stays um, accurate and in line with all the other uh, manuscripts. No one, uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, no one questions the authenticity of the historical books of antiquity because we do not possess the original copies. Yet, we have far fewer manuscripts of these works than we possess of the New Testament. So, um, it's, but like I said, again, people do that. They will never question all these other um, pieces of literature, even though they are missing um, the original um, writings, you know, the original text, you know, which most, uh, most literature that's old, you're not going to find the original text. You know, you're going to find, like I said in the beginning of this, this, um, this recording is manuscripts, copies of copies of copies of copies. It's extremely rare to find original um, text. So what scholars do is they, like, like I was saying before, what they do to determine the accuracy of the text uh, in that literature is how many manuscripts they have. And not just how many they have, but how many of them line up with each other um, perfectly. How, how, they, uh, how well do they say the same thing? You know? um, and that's how they determine the accuracy. Okay, hold on. Let me just go through here. So, you know, you got... You got a lot of, a lot of um, uh, what I like to call mantras out there of people saying things about the Bible that they heard from someone else, and and I'm talking mainly about Christians right now. I think the biggest problem is uh, Christians uh, were not in our Bibles, you know. Um, but what we also need to do is we need to give answers to questions that are typical. You know, you may not realize that the question that they're asking you is actually something that they ask somebody else and they've got this little answer that so far has been shutting down um, every Christian that, that, that talks to them. Hold on a second. You know, I, I think one of the biggest ones has been, you know, well, the Bible was written by man, so it's obviously changed. And that one is just so annoying because it shows me how um, ignorant the individual is. And it also just reveals that they're, they're not serious about searching and seeking God. They're just about wanting to continue in their own sin. And they've found a comfortable um, lie um, that makes them feel good about um, not repenting. And, and not wanting to change, and and you know it, it's it's a great excuse to kind of kind of brush away, you know, any thoughts of, of of God in their mind. And the biggest reason why is because if God's real, it's it's scary because now they are accountable to God, and they don't want to be held accountable. What they don't seem to understand though is they are accountable because a non-answer is an answer, you know. So they're going to have to um, have an account of their life when they stand before. Um, their heavenly Father, and if they don't have um, the blood of Christ um, washing their sins away, then they're in big trouble. 
But what I found is when whenever I was, um, um, I guess you could say, ministering to people or even just um, witnessing to people, um, I could literally get them to the point to where they would agree with everything I said, even with all the, the knowledge of the Bible and how accurate it is and, and stuff like that, get them to admit that God's real. But when you get down to the the real foundation of what you're, you're doing, which is to have them receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you get multiple different uh, reactions. You know, one is, oh, I don't believe that, even though they just told you that um, they believe, they understand, but when it comes down to making that actual commitment with their free will, making that actual decision to repent, um, <laughs> some won't, you know, some won't do it. You know, so, and it's frustrating. So you got to remember, though, you're not going to save anyone. All you're going to do is drop seeds, drop seeds. Now, if you're lucky and the, the, the Lord um, has somebody in front of you that is ready to um, receive, then that will happen. You know, and that's something else you're going to have to learn to do is actually how to lead somebody to uh, the Lord. And um, maybe in the next... Uh, podcast will do that. But for right now, I just really wanted to get out there um, on how accurate the Bible is. It's, it's, it's unbelievably accurate. I mean, you just look at that 25,000 manuscripts, and not one of them is different. You know, so it just shows you that, you know, when you have the world telling you that the Bible's old, and it's, it, it's, it's outdated, and it's changed so much, those are all lies. The Bible... Um, quite frankly, is the most accurate piece of um, literature um, in the history of this world. And scholars know that, you know. So when you're speaking to a layperson, because um, it's not like you're going to be walking around bumping it into uh, professors and scholars all the time. Actually, that would be pretty interesting. But um, you have to go armed, you know. The only way you're going to do that is through fasting, prayer, and being in God's Word, because we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Um, and just realize that you're not going to get um, a lot of people, um, or at least the way you perceive you leading people to Christ. I mean, it's, it's a, a great idea to, to, to envision in your head that you just led 3,000 people to the Lord. But to be honest, it's, it's a brutal business, man, because... I've, I've, I don't remember exactly how many people I've led to the Lord, but it is a lot. But you do feel beat up, you know. But you could go six months and just hear no, 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 even be laughed at, and then you get that that one yeah, that's awesome. It's just, it's a feeling that uh, you can't describe. But what's even cooler than that is that one person. You might be thinking, well, I only got one person, but that one person may be in, end up like a, a Billy Graham and lead millions, you know, to the Lord, you know. But I guess what I'm really trying to get out here is not only just be in the Word, but come up with answers um, to questions that they haven't heard. I call them left hooks. You know, if somebody says, well, you know, the Bible. You know, it's been written by man and it's changed. I'll say, no, absolutely not. You're wrong. Um, it hasn't changed. As a matter of fact, the Bible's the most accurate piece of literature in the history of the world. Oh, yeah? Well, how's that? And then you tell them. You know, and it's something that they've never heard before. And I guarantee you, even if they, uh, you get to the point where you try to lead them to Christ, if they um, ultimately um, refuse 
which we, we hope they don't, but if they do refuse, they're going to walk away and you planted a seed and you let God water that seed because the next person that they run into that's willing to, to um, present the gospel to them, that may be the one that pushes them over the edge and they repent and they come to the Lord. So just plant seeds like Johnny Appleseed and um, you'll find that uh, you know, the more you know, the better off um, you know you're 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 going to be, and the better uh, you're going to present God's word to people. Because, like I said, you're going to be giving them um, information they've never heard before. And I guess that's the secret right there, is to um, when they rattle off their, their little mantra that they've heard, that uh, you can surprise them with a left hook and a little gold nugget, and uh, get them to listen. Well, that's a quick little nugget for you right there. Um, I'm going to continue on this this topic on how accurate the Bible is in the next one. I kind of got this one out a little late, and I apologize. Um, you know how it is. Life is life. Um, but um, uh, until next time, we'll see you here on uh, Simon Seeds. Hopefully it'll be um, next week, so about another seven days. Uh, I'll get you uh, another podcast. All right, thank you. And um, God bless.